This is episode number 027 of the Reno Slant. Look, Mountain West, I've told you, I've warned you, and at this point, if you're still in the tracks, it's your fault, because it does not appear this Nevada train is stopping. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. It was a few days ago, but that doesn't mean it, it wasn't any fun. <laughs> Nevada got even in a big, big way with New Mexico on Saturday at Lawler. It was a few days ago, so Adam and I will share what we think that win means for this program. No game middle, middle of the week, so team has uh, some extra time to get ready for the stretch run here. Once again, we are thrilled with our guests this week. Yes, it is basketball season. Yes, there is snow on the ground. Believe it or not, though, it is baseball season. Nevada baseball starts its Mountain West tile defense this weekend in Texas. We caught up with head coach TJ Bruce, one of the most insightful conversations we've had on the show so far. A really great conversation with him. Yes, reflecting back on last year. Yes, acknowledging some of the Mountain West tournament struggles this team has had the last couple of years. And, and TJ was very candid talking about that and what they needed to do to get over the hump this year. Really cool tournaments in Reno. What does that mean for the program? And you know we took a deep dive on the roster. What does he make of the, the staff, the bats? Um, really great conversation with TJ. Nevada basketball, no game this week, but has two upcoming road games. Saturday at Wyoming and Wednesday at San Diego State. I've been talking about that game at San Diego State pretty much the entire season. So what do we need to know about those teams? Who are our favorite players on the other rosters? Keys to wins and predictions for slants. Last week, we said goodbye to football. This week, we say hello to football. It is back, baby. Kind of. So I'm going to share our thoughts on what we make of the, what we made of the first weekend of the Alliance of American Football. We're going to go road tripping with Chad Hartley to Laramie and San Diego. So Chad gave some advice for those who are fortunate enough to go to Laramie in (laughs) mid-February. And uh, San Diego might be a little bit warmer. Um, Some really good recommendations from him once again. Games of the weekend, social. We got a ton of questions from you guys this week. I think this was the most questions we've ever gotten in one week. So really awesome hearing from you guys. We'll get to those. And random Reno. For our iTunes five-star review of the week, we were shut out two weeks in a row off the schneid this week. Shout out to Thomas Serdick. Thomas, my boy, Reed grad down here in Vegas going to law school. He said, Nathan has been a great advocate for Northern Nevada sports for years. They have entertaining guests every week that are informative and inter- or, and interesting, I should say. Adam gives betting angles every week so you can test your luck trusting him. That really would be testing your luck. Overall, it's a must-listen if you're a Nevada sports fan. Great job, guys. So, Thomas, we'll make sure to hook you up. I think it's $3 on Venmo, or is it 2 We'll, we'll shoot you 3 anyway. And then I should mention we did get uh, another one. So I want to give some love to 801 Pack Fan. Uh, they said, the brothers keep it real on all things Reno. A must listen for any Pack Fan. As an out-of-state parent of a student athlete, this podcast has been a great way to get a feel for the Reno sports scene along with their slants on the city. Thanks, guys. Go pack. So thanks for the love, guys. We we truly do appreciate it. So, bro, 
We're uh, doing an international podcast. I think it's the second time we've done this now. Do you want to tell the people what you're doing back in Brazil again? <laughs> I am at a graduation party, or the graduation parties. well, it's different here. The graduation parties last for days, so it <laughs> starts tomorrow, and it goes until Sunday late in the wee hours. A graduation for college or high school? College graduation. Or whatever the equivalent is. College graduation. Yeah, college graduation for Sedora. So it's going to be a interesting couple of days. This will probably be the last. Well, actually, I, that's a lie. I had a beer at dinner. So <laughs> whoa, my blood will, on the podcast. My blood will be <laughs> my blood will be running for about the next five days. <laughs> so what are you guys doing? Like, what do you, how does it start? Just a rage Great fest. Question. <laughs> uh, I just know tomorrow morning I need to be up at nine, so it's going to be about three a.m. my body time. Mm. Cause I'm obviously have not adjusted. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting, but I don't really think any, the heavy partying or that heavy celebration, I'll put it for our younger viewers. Uh, I don't think that really starts until Friday or Saturday. So I think okay. that it's more c- ceremonial stuff the next couple of days. Awesome. So, but we'll, we'll go, we'll break down the New Mexico game, but first, before we get there, you guys know that we are big, big tipsy elves fans uh, on this podcast. Co-founder Nick Morton was on episode 017. He went to read. He's a Nevada basketball season ticket holder. Adam loves Tipsy Elves so much that he wore a schmedium to the ugly sweater game at Lawler in December. <laughs> my, my whole life's a bulk, so everything's a schmedium. <laughs> and, and that's why we are pumped. And I, I mean, really, we are pumped to share that the Reno Slant is partnering with Tipsy Elves. Tipsy Elves' mission is to outfit you for life's greatest moments. Like bar crawls, Reno has plenty of those. Like the mountain, plenty of those in Reno. Like the beach at Tahoe, like on the golf course. And there are two big ones coming up in St. Patrick's Day and Mardi Gras. So you guys need to check out their website. They have some hilarious uh, t-shirts, tanks, suits for men and women. Exclusively for the Reno Slant listeners. Promo code SLANT20 gets you 20% off at tipsyelves.com. Mardi Gras is less than three weeks away. St. Patrick's Day is in a month. Make sure you get suited over at tipsyelves.com. And don't forget to use promo code SLANT20 for 20% off at checkout. So, bro, the game was on Saturday. It's been a little bit now. A 91-62 shellacking at Lawler. Getting even with the Lobos. Start with you. What is something you took away from that game? Uh, Justice was served. (laughs) <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's been an ugly mark on the schedule, the you know, the whole season. And, and I feel like that's been the talking point along commentators and everything is, you know, Nevada's great, but that loss was horrible. And, yeah, that loss was horrible, but Nevada resurrected, or however you want to put it, themselves in the fashion that you'd want to see. They had an ugly loss, and so they basically just flipped it on its head and said – they just proved that that was an off game. Yeah, for – yeah, just proved it was off. And looking back on it now, I'm actually almost more appreciative. I wish it would have been a closer loss, but you're glad that that loss is now out of the way and you're you're moving forward from that point. We don't do a ton of gloating on the show. We do some. We don't do a ton. The reason we don't do a ton is because most of the time we're wrong, especially <laughs> especially you when you, when we're talking about betting. Um Last week, though, I, I did share when we were talking about should the team keep in mind the last time they played in New Mexico or, or should they forget about it? And one of the things that I, I thought was important was the team remembers that loss and uses that as fuel going into Saturday. 
and Musk certainly made made sure of that. He the eighty five fifty eight score was all over Lawler. It was up during shootout even day of the game, and I thought Nevada just came out pissed. Like they just looked mad, no holds bar. They they were all in. I mean, it, it, it was a smackdown from the very beginning. It was thirty four nine with less than seven minutes left in the first half. Thirty four nine. It it doesn't make the loss at New Mexico go away. What it does do is prove that that outcome was an anomaly, an outlier. If Nevada loses to New Mexico for a second time, then it's a problem. Then a team has Nevada's number, and it's a team with New Mexico's record. Phones do work in Brazil, apparently, as well. So good to know. <laughs> um, but it just proves that, that that game was a fluke, more or less, in my mind. There are people who maybe argue, eh, but... 34-9 at one point. Nevada could have won that game by 50 points, I, I thought. New Mexico's soul was crushed. Like the, the, There was legitimate concern that they were going to leave Lawler at halftime and just go straight to Reno Tahoe and, and get out of there because that, that was a beatdown. Yeah, it was. I mean, because I was at that game, and I, I can't remember what the scores. It was something that 34-9 it was somewhere in that area. But I started being like, this is ugly, mm-hmm. and this is getting ugly real fast. Yeah, but mine was one of the one of the guys we talked to, you know a lot about in the beginning of the year. Oh my gosh, home home phones in Brazil are going nuts. <laughs> uh, one of the guys we talked about a lot in the beginning of the podcast, and we were on the transfer players was Trey Porter, and he just had a great game. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many boards he had, but he led the team with him and Caleb both had twenty points, and just his offensive production. I mean, you can't get that every night. That's just not the way the off the Nevada's offense rolls. But that was just an outstanding performance on his part. I think he was twenty and nine. In that game, and that kind of gets to what I wanted to get to next, was Trey Porter balled out, yeah. This offense, though, is in a league of its own right now. They scored 91 points, despite shooting 6 of 20 from deep, that's 30%, and committing 17 turnovers. If they go 9 of 20 from deep and have 13 turnovers, which is still a lot for them, they easily could have scored 100-plus in this one, maybe even gotten close to, to 110 it just shows that with those stats, the fact they can still score 91, how freakishly high the ceiling is for this team. They're clicking on all cylinders right now offensively, and they still haven't played the perfect game. Like You know they still have more in the tank in, in terms of what they can do. Since that Air Force game, 20 points in the first half, I'll never get over that, or the loss at New Mexico, just so bizarre. They scored 100 at home against Colorado State, 87 at UNLV, 93 versus Boise, 98 at Colorado State, and 91 at home against New Mexico. This team, we're, we're seeing it now. Like they are clicking offensively, and there's still room for them to get better, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Almost makes you feel bad for the other teams, right? Or not quite? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the other part, too. Uh, just the attendance. I mean, we, everybody goes on and on. We've, we've discussed it and everything, but you got almost 11,200 people show up. New Mexico, obviously it's a little different. They're, you know, they haven't had the best season, but they did get the one, get a big victory against us. So you could kind of see that the attendance was going to be crazy, but it's just, I mean, when I was at the game, just looking around and you can just see the people going all the way up to the rafters. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. you know, their noses are about to start bleeding because they're feeling the very, they're, they're, they got backrests that are the cement walls behind them. Yeah. I mean, it's just awesome watching, just looking around and seeing that stadium. I know I put something on the Instagram story, but it's just baffling. And I mean, 
looking at where the attendance was just a couple years ago, that you get a Saturday afternoon game against a, a crappy New Mexico squad, and you can <laughs> almost completely fill Waller. New Mexico isn't good. That one did mean a little bit more, certainly for the the program. It was obvious that game meant something to them and to the fan base too. It's like, okay, you guys kind of screwed up something that could have been really special for us. We aren't going to forget about that. And and the fans brought it too. Uh, that was apparent. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with the tenants now in the final three home games, especially the UNLV game, retiring Fazekas's number. Um, that has. The, the record was set for attendance a couple years ago against UNLV, and you would think that that number would potentially be in jeopardy um, for that one as well. The last thing I'll say about this game, and then we'll um, move on to our interview with or our conversation with TJ. It wasn't on Saturday, but on Sunday there was a selection committee, or they had their bracket preview show, and Nevada got, the, got a four seed. And for those who listened last week and heard Dave Allman come on the show, that's exactly where he had him. He had him on the four line. And he said three is probably the ceiling. Some people think maybe a two. I tend to agree with Dave. I think three is probably the ceiling for this team in terms of how high of a seed they can actually get. In terms of are they going to be a two, are they going to be a three, are they going to be a four, the difference isn't huge. It's pretty negligible. The biggest difference between a four and a three would just be that if you're a four, you play the one seed theoretically in the Sweet 16. If you're the three, you play the two seed in the Sweet 16. It's it's not a huge, huge di- difference. I think it's a much bigger deal where Nevada gets put. In the bracket preview show, they were in the South region. If Nevada wins out or even loses just one more game, I think they're going to be in the West. And the hope would be that they um, – well, if they're in the West, that then you get to play in Anaheim in the Sweet 16 if they're to get that far. And Nevada would obviously have a ton of fans in, in San Jose – or Salt Lake, uh, before, you know, going to Anaheim for the Sweet 16. Hopefully they, they can get too far. I just, I just don't think it's a huge deal with, with the talent on, on this team. It was Gary Parrish, I believe, who spoke to it as well. And I agree with him completely. It doesn't hurt Nevada as much if Nevada is a four or a three. What, who it really hurts is the one seed. You have a season that's that special, get you on the one line in March and then you're rewarded. By playing a Nevada team in the Sweet 16, a Nevada team that's going to be more experienced than you, a Nevada team that maybe only lost one or two games all year, a team that went to the Sweet 16 last year with really the same core in, in Cody, Caleb, and Jordan, no one's going to be excited about about playing that Nevada team. And Nevada won't be scared of playing a one seed in that situation. So it was a huge talking point this week, Nevada being a four seed after the New Mexico game. I just don't think it's a huge deal. I think if Nevada continues to win out, I even think they can lose one more game. They're going to be fine. This is a team that can go on a run regardless of who they have to play in the tournament. You would prefer a maybe easier path, but you get to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, you're going to play legit squads regardless. And it, it's not, I just don't see it being a huge deal. All right. Yes, it's basketball season. It is baseball season in Reno. Nevada won the Mountain West regular season title last year. It was their second in four years. TJ, TJ Bruce entering his fourth year running the program. Nevada is receiving votes in the collegiate baseball preseason poll. They start the season this weekend in Texas. They got a game Friday. They got a game Saturday. They got a game Sunday. Nice for the guys to get out of the snow, certainly. So here's our conversation with head coach TJ Bruce. Okay, TJ, uh, it's awesome to have you on. C- considering what the weather's been in Reno this week, how excited are you and the guys to jump on a plane to Texas this week? <laughs> 
Uh, you know, it's anytime, anytime you kick off a year, it's, it's an exciting time. It's, it's always different. I always kind of broke it into a few phases. Um, I know as a coach, you know, you're not supposed to say anything's different than the next, but it is different. Um, and we acknowledge that. Um, so, you know, it's like when you get back in August, everything's, everything's great. Um, then you go through the individual period, then you have your team period and then that's over with. Then you have January, you know, so that's the second phase is January. When you come back, um, how do you come back? How do you look? How'd you do over the break? Um, and then obviously you have the season, which is the third, basically the third period. So, um, it's yeah. an exciting time. Our guys are, our guys are, are excited to see other people. Um, I think they're, you know, the last three weeks we've played nine games and in the last three weeks, um, so they want to see another team across across the side of the field. So it'll be good sure. to get those guys out there. How much does the snow impact your preparation for the first weekend of the season? Uh, you know, we've been fortunate. Um, it, it hasn't really impacted us. Uh, we've gotten everything in that we've needed to get in. And, you know, the, the other thing is it's, it's a great learning um, curve for our kids because – as you guys, as you guys know, you get further and further into advancing into the postseason, whether that be a conference tournament or, uh, the NCAA regional or supers or Omaha. There's a lot of delays that go on and take yeah. place. So it's actually been a, a nice time for us to, to just hit in the cages one day while maybe we're clearing off or getting the field ready. But in reality, hitting in the cages, like we're going to do Sunday, uh, believe it or not, we're going to do that, um, Sunday. At uh, at Texas State versus Utah, we play at eight or uh, eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. Texas time. So you're not really going to take BP at eight thirty in the right. morning. You know you're going to end up showing up um, and hitting in the cages, and you have to go play a game. So we've used it to our advantage. So I, I don't feel one bit that we've been slighted by any weather or anything else. So we're re- we're ready to roll. Awesome. We'll get to this weekend and the upcoming season, but I want to take a quick look real back first. I mean, you're coming off a year where you're named the Mountain West Coach of the Year. You're Mountain West regular season champs. You go 20-9 and nine in Mountain West play, then unfortunately two in a barbecue in the Mountain West tournament. As you've now had plenty of time to look back on last season and certainly look forward to this season, how do you evaluate the, your third year in Reno? Well, you're, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant evaluation. Um, it's daily. It's, unfortunately, sometimes it's nightly. Um, you're always trying to, you know, evaluate where you can get better. And I think that's part of, it's part of your growing process, um, as a individual. And, and you're always trying to grow your, your brand and your program. So, um, I, I think we're, we're probably right where I thought we were. We would be, um, you know, the first year, you, you just didn't really know um, right. how it was going to go. You're still trying to implement um, a, a system, and, and we ended up only having 10 position players um, that first year. We ended up winning 37 games. Um, and then all of a sudden, you bring in 13 freshmen, right? So, you, so we scratched and clawed to get into the tournament. While a lot of those guys played, a lot of those guys went on to play at Clemson or went here and played there, and they got to see – quite a bit and then now they're sophomores and now they win a conference championship and then now they're juniors you know mm-hmm. two of them are ranked in the top 100 in their position groups in the draft and so we're, we're really scratching the surface i think of what we can be um i think this team's ready to 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 move forward and go into into a regional and play in june 
Um, now that's up to them. That's up to those guys. They, 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 they're committed. Uh, now it's just a matter of getting on the field and really backing up our, our talk. You know, like yeah. I tell them, are we going to walk the walk? Um, or are we just going to talk? So, um, they're ready to roll. Um, I'm ready for them, uh, to get on the field. I have the best seat in the house. I've always thought that, <laughs> I, you know, I get a chance to sit back and watch them play. You're entering now your fourth year in Reno. How different is the feeling for you now? I mean, are you significantly more comfortable now? I mean, just what's that like for you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, that's one of my mentors, Dave Snow had this saying. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know Dave, um, uh, coach Snow was obviously a Hall of Fame coach at Long Beach State, created the dirt bags. Um, and he had this saying that you're never set. Um, and those were the words that the key word being set. Right. Um, I, I don't know if I'm any more comfortable today than I was the first day uh, I got a chance to walk on campus as the head coach. Um, I, I think you're just still – I think once you get comfortable or set, I think that's when, you know, that's when content sits sits in and, mm-hmm. and then you, you're just – you won't be reaching for the stars, so to speak. So I, I don't – I'm not any more comfortable. In fact, I, I think – it's actually a, a lot. It's sometimes it, the anxiety gets a little. It's a little worse being being four years in. But um, hey, I, I think the one thing is there's. I wake up every day and I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm humble for the opportunity. Uh, and you just got to go out and and do the best job you can and and teach these kids how to compete and that they can achieve anything they want to achieve with the with, if they put their mind to it. We'll, we'll get to the kids here. I got one more question about you yeah. though first. In the, I'm going to deflect them all. I, know that, so. <laughs> I, I got one more for you though. In, in December, a pretty cool honor for you. Baseball America named you a top 10 coach under the age of 40 in all of college baseball. Uh, what did that mean to you? Is that surprising to see your name on the list? What do you think there? It, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's always, I think anytime you bring recognition to the program to where you're at, um, I think it's really cool. Um, I, I obviously, um, just on a personal level, I wouldn't be in the seat without a tremendous administration. Obviously that, uh, Doug hired me four years ago and without Doug, none of this would, would, would have been possible, but uh, there's a lot of people along the way that put me in this seat going back to my high school coach to, um, Dave Snow, Mike Weathers, and then of course John Savage, who I I, I owe him my life, um, really for the journey he's taken me on and mentored. So I always, I'm just a byproduct of those guys. Um, and really, to be honest with you, every day I sit in my chair and I just try to make those guys proud. Um, and, and that's my that's my goal um, every day. It's it's never been about me. Um, it's about the. St- those guys that have come before me that have taught me the way it's about our staff that's worked their, their butts off. And most importantly, um, and that's not discounting anybody. It's about the players that play and go on the field. Cause sure. without those guys, none of this is nothing's ever achievable and possible. So, um, it's cool. Um, like I said, it's, but it's, it's, it didn't come with any more wins. You know, it didn't come with, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I, we didn't start the season five and oh or 10 and oh, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a tribute to the players is where I really and my mentors. Awesome. So let, let's go to the kids now. Let's start on the bump. Uh, <laughs> last year, I thought the group did a really good job with a couple different areas, limiting freebies. And that's really mm-hmm. big in this com- any conference. 
and keeping guys in the yard. I thought were, were two real strengths. Yep. Uh, you mentioned you have a couple of juniors, one of them, Ryan Anderson, top 100 junior by perfect <laughs> game. Owen Schartz, big time freshman coming in, uh, drafting 32nd round. Jake Jackson had an awesome freshman year, freshman all American. How do you generally feel about your staff going into, into the season? I mean, we're, we're probably as deep as we've been. Um, I think, I think, um, now I, I still think there's room to grow. Um, we eventually want to be, um, deeper, believe it or not, but, um, I, we're, we're as deep as we've been since this staff has been put in place. And like you said, you, you got starting pinching, but I mean, they're really the only person that you lost, which I, I think was a big loss was, was Nova. Yeah. Um, and Mark obviously moving on and graduating. But uh, Mark did a great job here for the few years that we've had the privilege to coach him. But he was the only guy that that made a start last year that's not returning on this team. Yeah. So you're talking you're talking about you know uh, let's see here you're talking about Wes Hatton right who made four starts is back Dalton Gomez made twelve he's back Jake Jackson made fifteen he's back Ryan Anderson made two starts but appeared in 23 games. Um, Cooper Powell made three starts. Heckman made one. Uh, and Grant Ford made two with 20 appearances. So you're, you, everybody's back that yeah. has started a game. That feels really, well, really good. Um, now, they all have to perform to their potential, and I believe they will do so. But in terms of just, you know, most of the battle, like I tell our players, is it's about your preparation. And I do believe in these guys that they are prepared for that. And the numbers show nothing's, you know, starting Friday night, opening under the lights, Ryan Anderson's going to start. That's not, that's nothing new to him. You know, he started a game before. Right. Um, now it may be new because it's an opener, but hey, who, I mean, who's kidding who after you throw the first pitch, the opener, it's, it's become Saturday, a Sunday, a midweek or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about the pitching. Um, I think we're excited about our starting pitching. We got some depth in the bullpen. Uh, we bring back Bon and Font. Uh, we bring back Jordan Jackson. We bring back, uh, you know, Anderson. Obviously, he's back. Cooper Powell's back. Heckman, Heckman's back. And then, like you said, you add a guy like Owen Schartz, who is one of, if not one, one of the highest recruits to ever step foot on on campus here in Nevada. It's an exciting time for not only Nevada baseball, but just mm-hmm. Nevada athletics as a whole. Yeah. You, you mentioned Ryan going to get the, the ball on the, the season opener. He came out of the bullpen a decent amount last year. What did you see yep. from him in, in the offseason that made you feel comfortable saying, hey, go get him in game one? I just announced it, too. How great is that? So yeah, that is great. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's you know, I, th- I think it's – He's primed and ready. You know, he's, he's, um, he's exactly what we thought when we recruited him four years ago. Um, you know, there was a ton of projection. It's just a matter of can you sync everything up? And what I mean by that is he's so tall and lanky and projectable. Mm-hmm. And it was, I always say he's, he was like a baby deer. You know, they just trying to learn how to walk and he's trying to get all the part moving parts together. And he's done that. I think eventually Ryan could really do what Ryan wants to do, whether if Ryan wants to be Andrew Miller for the Indians or, you know, when he was drafted in the first round, then Ryan can be Andrew Miller and come out of the pen and do something. If Ryan wants to be a starter, then Ryan's going to be a starter. He, I think he has one of those abilities to do both. Uh, but what we saw really is just 
is I think eventually he should he needed to be a starter, and that's yeah. So he has three pitches, um, you know, fastball, breaking ball, and a change. Um, he has durability. Um, he 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 can he can go deep into a game, or he can use him for one inning. I mean, he's kind of a hybrid type of arm. And sure. don't be surprised if you see him start one day and maybe the next week he comes out of the pen on a bullpen day. I mean, he can be able to do a lot, but uh, he has experience um, and he's re- he's ready to go. That's me cool for Ryan and, and a local kid even. That's yeah, it's, that, that's awesome. I mean, how cool is that? It's, um, you know, especially obviously you go deeper into the family ties and, yeah. you know, Scott played here and Lisa played here, his sister played here and, um, it's just a great opportunity for him, and we're going to give him the ball opening night versus a top 25 opponent in a Missouri State. Awesome. O- offensively, you lose some big bats and Grant Fennell and Cole Krasmarzik and Mike Chavia. W- what do you expect offensively? Because obviously some, some new guys are going to have to step into some larger roles this year. Yeah, it, you know, offense, it's it's almost like a, uh, you know, everyone always, you have a system in place, and and we definitely do have a system in place, but your system is only as good as your, as your personnel. So, um, our, you know, last year we were really offensive. I mean, we, we had almost 600 hits. I mean, we had almost 130 doubles. I mean, we were really <laughs> offensive last year. Yeah. And we didn't do a whole lot of skill type stuff. We only sat, I mean, we sacrificed Bunnett 37 times last year. Yeah. I mean, so. And I would bet you half of those were probably meant to go for a hit and then just ended up working out in a sack. <laughs> um, so this, this year's team's going to be, a, a, this year's team will be able to run a little bit more and you're going to see a lot more action, I think, out of this year's team. And meaning you're going to see some hit runs a little bit more. Uh, you're going to see some dragon runs. You're going to see a little bit more action from this year's team. Um, obviously we lose Fennel. Um, but in terms of power coming back, you know, you got Josh Samora last coming back who had, who had led our team in home runs with nine. You got Shrum coming back who has seven home runs. Hatton had four. Perry had two. Keaton Smith had three. Foster had six. I mean, so you kind of got quite a bit of guys. Bosetti had one. You have some guys coming back. Some pop. Yeah. It's, it's their time now, you know, and I, last year was such a, I don't want to say it was a it was an older led team, but really, if you look at it, I mean, you lose a Chavia, um, you lose Fenny, and then you lose Chris. After that, everybody else is back. Perry's back, Hatton's back, Zamora's back, Bosetti's back, Jalen's back, Keaton's back, Shrum's back, Foster's back, Valens. I mean, you you got some pieces that are mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Um, as and the same message I tell them is is they are primed and ready to do whatever they want to do. Now, like I said, they have to do it, but they are ready to go. Yeah. You, you mentioned Josh Zamora, another incredible freshman season, also a freshman All-American. Nine deep balls as a freshman. What can you say about what he did in his first year in collegiate program? Because that's kind of bananas what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, he, he really came onto the scene in such a big way. Uh, you know, Josh and Josh and I do talk about this. But Josh has always been – he comes from a great high school in El Toro High School um, in Southern Cal. And Coach Coach Gonzalez there does such a great job. And he's he's he does – I mean, they, they win. And him and Jake Jackson both come from the same high school. And they both won a CIF title that last year. So um, 
Josh burst on the scene. He wasn't, I don't want to say he wasn't recruited, but he wasn't highly, highly recruited. Um, and I, Josh and I talk about it too. And then now in one, in a one year, the transformation that's taking place is he kind of burst on the scene. People didn't know how to pitch him. He, he got to them. He ambushed them as I call it. And now it's now he's going to have to learn how to handle going a different role, just as he had to learn how to be a freshman on a camp on campus and, play every day and take care of your body. Now he's going to step into a different role to where Missouri state Friday night, they know who Joshua Moore is. Right. You know, last year, uh, whomever didn't, you know, they just saw freshmen okay, having a good year, but now Josh is going to be in a different, a different role. And, uh, he's mature. I mean, he's a mature kid. Um, uh, he's fun to coach. Um, he works hard. And it's it's just good to to be around guys like that. Mm-hmm. Just as I told Dylan Strum the same thing, it's different, yeah. you know. Just like Jake Jackson, Jake, you are you're. It's going to be a little different now. Um, mm-hmm. West Hatton, you're. It's everything's just going to be different. It's going to be heightened a little more just because they have, um, you know, I say cockpit time, right? There's some seat time that they sure. do have, and so now. There's that portfolios out on those guys, and it's no different in the big leagues. You see those guys that have great rookie years, and now things have changed a little bit more. So mm-hmm. um, we're we're excited about about a lot of those guys, and we're excited about this team. So it'd be it'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a couple of the guys who had big years last year. I mean, Josh was one of them as as a freshman. Jake was was another. We well, like mm-hmm. mentioned Owen, another big freshman name you you got during the roster this year is Julian Boyd, drafted yep. the twenty sixth round by the Cubs. What what have you made of him as he's gearing up for his first collegiate season? You know, uh, Julian's it's it's he's he's um, and I, I don't he's a year behind baseball wise because a lot of people don't know Julian towards ACL in football. Oh, wow. um, so the, I think it was September of I guess that would be right 2018. So September of 18. Um, Julian Torres ACL or sorry, September 17th, Torres ACL missed all of, yeah, missed all of the spring of 18. So really the first, uh, AB he took in college and saw in over a year was against our pitching. Um, so he's done a tremendous job. He's just, he's super athletic. Um, he's gifted in, in a lot of areas. Um, you're going to have a chance to see him run around for a few years here and it's, Left-handed hitter, left-handed thrower. You also see him on the mound a little bit. Um, so you're gonna, he, he's just, like I say, he's really athletic and the sky is the limit for, I think this team, the sky's the limit for, for these players. And, um, he's definitely one of those guys. I think another guy you're gonna see, a young guy is Nick Siemens, um, who's a right, right outfielder from Rancho Bernardo High School. He was a San Diego County player of the year. Um, as a senior in high school a year ago, another guy that's super athletic, wiry, can do a lot, can play all three spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to see those guys running around for the next few years. Awesome. Uh, b- behind the dish, Caleb Foster really had a breakout year last year. I mean, I think he was like a, sitting around 190 in his first two years batting average, yep. jumped up to 310 last year. Where are expectations for him now in, in his senior season? I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, we, we've been really fortunate. We have a two-headed monster back there. We have a left-handed hitter and we have a right-handed hitter. Um, and we can kind of match up a little different based on who's on the mound. 
um, in Marco and Caleb, but Caleb had a huge season. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to discount it, but we, you expected it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in terms of his toughness, uh, what he brought to the table every day, um, what he brings to practice every day. I mean, there's, you know, Caleb's a two sport athlete. Um, dad played, um, uh, baseball knows, knows exactly. So exactly how to, how to go about things. And Caleb does everything the right way. And, um, it was fun to sit back and watch. And it's really cool as a coach or mentor or whatever you're doing to watch when you get a guy at 18 years old and then you see him at 20 years old and you see the lights go on and you're like, gosh, that's a really cool moment. And, um, it was fun to sit back and watch Caleb last year and, it's, I'm anticipating a lot of the same from him this year. He knows himself. He knows the speed of the game. He knows what he needs to do to get ready. It's, it's almost like we tease him. It's like a seasoned vet. You know, it's <laughs> like you just, you just check in every once in a while. Hey, man, everything good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. All right. Let's go to work. You know, or, um, when something doesn't go right in practice, he'll look at you and he'll be like, coach, I got it. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's, you know, and, um, it's really cool. And that's how I feel with this team. Um, a lot, a lot of these guys, it, it's all the same. I mean, it's, you, you don't stop practice anymore as a coach. They stop practice and say, Hey, let's, let's get some stuff going. Let's figure it out. Or, mm-hmm. um, they'll come in the office. Hey, coach, what do you think about doing this tomorrow? Or, you know, it's, yeah. it's cool. It's that it's, it's just a really, it's just a baseball conversation that you're constantly having every day. And it's, it's really cool to be around. If we go more big picture now, also in December. Uh, kind of a big deal was announced that Reno is going to host the 2019 Mountain West Conference Tournament. H- how big is that for your program? It seems like a pr- it's obviously a big opportunity for you. Yeah, I think it's great for it's great for our players and it's great for the community. Um, and it's great, obviously, great for the university. I think uh, you know, as a as a coach or a team, there's only so many things you can do to reward the athletic department and the university and your community. And this is one of them. Uh, we we uh, we voted obviously in August um, as as a conference staff, mm-hmm. and it came down to um, it came down to um, a few choices, and then uh, ultimately uh, with us winning the regular season last year, um, our conference thought this was the best. This was we were deserving, and um, it was great to to bring it back to Reno. Um, so we're looking forward to rewarding our fans and our community and our school and and and. Uh, what a great opportunity for our players to play uh, in in a big time tournament in front of your home crowd, you know, because we've got on the road the last three years, mm-hmm. two or three have been in New Mexico, yeah, uh, which they've done a every everybody's done such a great job hosting the event. So um, we're gonna do we're gonna do such a tremendous job. Our administration's ready to roll um, on this event, and um, it'll be an exciting time. It's gonna be fun for sure. And, and your first year, you you go on that crazy run. You play like seven games <laughs> in two days. <laughs> I think it was six crazy. and four. Six and four. I think was what worked out. So you yep. get to the Mountain West title game. Last couple of years, not as long of runs in, in the tournament. So w- what do you think needs to change for you to go on that run this year and, and get over that hump? Yeah, it's disappointing. You know, the last two years, um, it has been, and and that's 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 no. Yeah, and that's not sugarcoating it. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely been a little bit disappointing. Um, I think I think there has to be some adjustments on on everybody's end, and that's that's starting with me first. Um, you know, 
I guess playing 56 games and then going to the tournament, right? We got, we're going to have to make some adjustments on, Hey, they're two separate seasons. And, um, yeah. you know, so we're excited about that this year. Uh, we did a little different. Um, and it just worked out that way to where, um, this year our, our bye week in our conference is the last weekend of the year before the tournament. So that, that, that would be where we would normally try and have a home game, a home series. Right. We are taking that weekend off. Mm. Um, so the conference tournament will start on Thursday. So we would have not played for just about 10 days. Um, so we can align some pitching, you know, normally now with those conference tournaments, everybody's on short rest. Right. Um, so, so we, we will, um, take the weekend off and, and I thought that was a, a way to go. I've done, I've done my due diligence on talking to other coaches uh, in other conferences on how to go about different things. Um, I think one of them is going to be, you know, maybe a day off here and there during the year for yeah. certain people, and just kind of see. I, I'm not one to do that. I'm more one to to grind it. You know, you got to grind grind it into them that they got to play every day and this and that and. Um, so we're going to, we're going to see how it goes and try, try some different things. And I think definitely that last weekend is going to be a big deal for us because we play Pacific Tuesday at home is our last game in May. And then we'll have that weekend off. So we'll take Wednesday and Thursday, um, off and nice. meet again on Friday and kind of go through some things and, and get ready on that Thursday. Nice. And so, so here we go. I mean, it all, all starts Friday. You guys are heading down to Texas right, right out of the gate. A really good opportunity for you guys. Number 24, Missouri State, Texas State, who you're playing on Saturday. They're getting votes and you got a Pac-12 squad in Utah. Uh, that, what can you say about the opportunity right out of the shoot? Well, I mean, you guys know me by now. I don't, I'm not shying away. Um, as you can see, I know some, some people always are asking like, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but I, I think it goes into what you're trying to create, what you're trying to build. Um, as I look at it, is people get a chance to play Nevada. It's not us getting an opportunity to play other people. Um, so that's the mentality that we bring to it, and it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I mean, there's you're, you're talking about a Missouri State team that won 40 games last year. They bring back five returners. They bring back, I think, I believe nine arms, maybe ten arms uh, from a year a 40 win team. So we got to be ready to roll and more importantly it's going to be about us and not about them and then you go into texas state who we did play uh, a few years ago uh, we played them in a weekend series down there and uh, they're getting votes for the top 25 and then you play utah who had a down year last year but don't forget they won the pac-12 two years ago mm-hmm. um and coach kinnenberg is a hall of fame coach in my book um, and they bring back just about every single player from their roster a year ago. And there's a lot that goes into that experience. So our guys are going to be battle tested. Um, but I think they're ready. Like I tell them, there's no different than, than what they've gone through every day against their own players. And now it's just somebody else just so happens to be standing in another dugout with another uniform. But the message is definitely going to be, it's about us and it's the opportunity that they get to play Nevada. For sure, for sure. I'll, before I let you go, TJ, what, what, do you, what do you make of the basketball team so far this year? <laughs> Got to ask. I love, I love it. I mean, you guys, you guys know my relationship with Coach Muss, and um, just I'm so grateful for the friend and the mentorship that I get from him. 
uh, on a daily basis. And uh, I know a lot of people throughout the world aren't, aren't privy to that stuff. And um, I can't say enough what he's done for me personally in my career um, and our program, but uh, I'm their biggest fan. I mean, I, we watch every day. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at practice quite a bit. Um, if I can, I always tease him that I just want to sit on the bench one game. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure he really wants me next to him on the bench. I don't know if you want to be next to him on the bench during a game day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, it's just great, man. I mean, just it's just such a such a awesome, awesome experience, and uh, for everybody, for the whole school, for the community, and and you know what Jay's doing with football. You know, going eight and five and getting back into a bowl game. I talked to Jay this morning. Um, it, it's just what what a what a great time for Nevada athletics, and I'm just very fortunate to be uh, to be a part of it. Yes, you are, TJ. Thank, thank you so much for the time. Good luck this weekend, and good luck this season. Awesome. Thanks, Nathan. Talk to you soon. Loved having TJ on the show. The hope certainly is that we'll be able to have him on uh, throughout the season and, and get his thoughts, uh, because it, the way it's shaping up, it could be a, a special season for Nevada, the way that he's recruited, the talent they have coming back. Oregon State at home is going to be awesome. You have the Mountain West Tournament in Reno. All sorts of cool things going on with the program. And yet another sign of how strong the athletic department as a whole is right now. Uh, when you, when you think about what's happening, uh, across all different sports on campus. And the strongest of those is certainly the basketball program right now. Nevada back at it on Saturday at Wyoming in Laramie tip at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. So a late start on Saturday. Bro, what is something we need to know about the Cowboys? Three wins since December 12th <laughs> against Denver, against San Jose, and at Colorado State. Three wins for, what is that now, nearly two months. So this team is not used to winning. <laughs> yeah, my first point was that they stink. I, I just don't know what else to say. They, they stink. But before Wednesday's game at Utah State, they were 6-17, and 2-8 and eight in the Mountain West. They lost 8 of 9 before winning against Colorado State on Saturday. It was kind of a surprising win to see them beat Colorado State. Here are some of the metrics. RPI has them at 323 out of 353 <laughs> Division One basketball programs. Ken Palm has them at 313. The Net has them at 310. So this is a Quadrant 4 game. It's going to remain a Quadrant 4 game. Wyoming would have to get all the way up to 240 to make that a Quadrant 3 game. It's not going to happen. This team stinks. The other guy, Justin James, he is everything to them. Because like many Nevada fans, I didn't have a clue about this Wyoming team, nor do I, other than for podcast purposes and watching the game, really care to learn much about this Wyoming team. But as I was looking at it on ESPN, Justin James is their average points leader, rebounds leader, assists leader, steals leader, and blocks leader, a guard, leading yeah. the average in blocks with point six. Wow. So this guy, like we said in a couple of other episodes, that you know the Nevada team focused on the top couple players. Other than this guy, there wasn't really anybody that had put up any you know outstanding numbers. So I guess there you go, Mus. In case you didn't know, Justin James is the guy you need to focus on. I would guess this is a stretch here. I would guess that Mus knows about Justin James. 
Just guess. It's a fa- it's a fair guess. It's a fair <laughs> guess. You never know you never know what's going on in that locker room. That was going to be my next point as well is that Justin James is what makes this thing go. We talked about Nico Carvacho for Colorado State. Justin James is that to Wyoming and more. Six seven senior guard. He puts up points. He put. I mean, you pretty much anywhere in the stat sheet. He's one of the best rebounders in the conference. His eight point six rebounds per game are fifth in the conference. Puts up a twenty points or a ton of points. Twenty point seven points per game. That leads the Mountain West. It's worth mentioning, though, that he does so taking a ton of shots. A ton of shots. His 382 field goal attempts coming into Wednesday lead the Mountain West. 20 more shots than Caleb's put up this year for some fun perspective here. Justin has put up 382 shots this year. No one else on Wyoming's roster has more than 138. So he's shooting almost three times as much as anyone else on the team. That's a lot of shots. Ball, ball hug. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're if you're a guy who has NBA aspirations, you're playing for a team at six and seventeen. I'm taking a lot of shots too. Yeah, if I'm on Laramie, I'm shooting the ball every time I get it. <laughs> yeah, my my last point, my last point that was going to venture off what you said is that they're ninth in the Mountain West. They have done absolutely nothing. They can't do anything against any team. Don't expect Nevada even to flinch. This why I mean it's like I there's nothing really else you can say from what you started with. This team is just bad and it's going to be a bad game we're going to watch. Not to pile on here but not I am going to pile on actually. This team is dead last in rebounding margin in the Mountain West. They get out rebounded by over 6 rebounds per game and you would maybe guess they'd struggle at rebounding if your best rebounder is a guard. So they, they just don't do a ton of rebounding. They score 66 points per game, a little north of that. Only San Jose State is worse in the Mountain West. They're outscored by nine points per game this year. Only San Jose State is worse. They turn it over almost 15 times a game. Only San Jose State and New Mexico is worse. This is just a team that's had a, uh, a not so enjoyable season so far. When are we booting San Jose State from the conference? <laughs> Dude. Ugh. Favorite player on the other roster? Austin Mueller. Mm. 6'6". Reason why I picked him, he resonates with me a little bit, kind of, not exactly. But he's a finance major, so coming from an accounting guy, represent. He is averaging what I would expect a finance major to be averaging. He is averaging 3.9 points a game. So when I played, we pretty much had the same game. You throw up threes and you hope you can hit one. Uh, And... So that, I resonate with this guy. He's probably one of the the few players in all of college basketball whose GPA might be higher than his point total per game. That is honestly probably – you're probably not <laughs> far from it. <laughs> uh, my my favorite player on the other roster is 6'4", freshman guard Hayes Fornstorm. For no reason other than his name, it's pretty obvious that we are a big fan of great names for, the, for this part of, of the podcast. So I'm going with – Hayes Fornstorm, also a football player, redshirted for the football team in the fall as well. Keys to victory in this one. What do you got? I'm only, I've only got one just because, like we said, it's not going to take a whole lot. And everybody could probably guess what it is. It's just shut down Justin James. Yeah. Averaging over, averaging over 20 points a game. Like you said, he's the guy that shoots the ball a million times. Shut him down. You shut everything down. It'll be fun to watch him versus Cody. In this one, when when Nevada's on the defensive half, that's gonna be a fun matchup. Uh, I'll go through my two really quick here. One, when you're playing a team like this, especially on the road, 
Don't let them hang around. We know what happens when the lesser team hangs around. The longer they hang around, the cliche says the pressure shifts to the other side. But it's true. Cliches exist because they're, they're, they're real. And this is Wyoming's game. This is it. This is their Super Bowl. This is their biggest game of the year. Everyone says that. Or we've said that about everyone this year. But it's especially true for this Wyoming team that is playing for nothing. They have nothing to lose. Nevada has everything to lose. So I'd like to see Nevada come out strong, get a comfortable lead early. Let's not start playing the what is happening game. We, we don't need to, we don't need to do that. Uh, the second thing I talked about struggles this team has on the glass with Nevada's length. I would love to see Nevada come out and just gobble up everything uh, on the glass. Nevada's been better rebounding as of late and they have a chance to just absolutely blow up Wyoming uh, on the glass. Well, that'd be fun to see. What do you got for a prediction? 9169. 91-69. It's going to get ugly. Nice. Uh, this year, Wyoming has lost at home. You got to hear some of these teams. They've lost at home to UC Santa Barbara, Niagara, North Colorado, Denver. Those are a few National powerhouses. Of, in fairness to Wyoming, yes, absolute juggernauts. Those are some of their home losses this year. That is brutal. And you can add Nevada to that list on Saturday in a big, big way. I got a 88-65 final score, and I think it's probably going to be even uglier than that. So we'll preview now here the matchup at San Diego State. But before we do that, we are also thrilled to share that we're partnering with Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters, they're creating some awesome, awesome stuff right now. We had owner Mark Ladowski on episode 019. You guys know that March Madness is quickly approaching. It's going to be here before any of us can believe it. And Silver and Blue is the spot for officially licensed Nevada March Madness gear. You know that uh, we particularly love, as I mentioned, the throwback options. Some of the uniforms that or jerseys they have right now would look pretty, pretty sick at a watching party come later in the season. Not just for March Madness, but you have the Mountain West Tournament coming up, all sorts of options. So get your gear today at one of the two locations, the campus location or the Meadowood Mall location or on silverandblueoutfitters.com. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. Check that. We're going to have a ton of fun with this one. We're going to do a contest for you guys every single month. The winner of said contest is going to get a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters, and we're going to draw it on Instagram Live at the end of every month. So it's going to be a drawing, a raffle. To get into the raffle... All you have to do, walk into one of the two Silver and Blue Outfitters locations, as I mentioned, the campus location or the Meadowood Mall location. Take a selfie, nice little picture of yourself. Tag the Reno Slant and S&B Outfitters. Must be following both accounts, and we will throw your name into the hat. Two entries per month, one on Twitter, one on Instagram. As I mentioned, must be following both accounts for the Reno Slant and Silver and Blue Outfitters. No repeat winners. And the first drawing will be February 28th, so just two weeks away. Probably going to be less names in the hat. So make sure you, if you're planning on going by one of the Silver and Blue locations or you're driving by, just drive in real quick, take a quick selfie, and we'll get you in the drawing. And uh, hopefully, we can give you a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. So Nevada is at San Diego State on Wednesday. Tip at 8 p.m., CBS Sports Network. I've circled this one for a while as one of the most difficult games left on Nevada's schedule. What What is something we need to know about the Aztecs? So the team that Nevada just ran 
New Mexico. Yep. San Diego State lost to them at New Mexico by 13. We've got this game circled. It's going to be a tough one. But when I see numbers like that, as a stupid sports fan that I am, I love it. And the math adds up. <laughs> so to kind of speak to that, this is a, this is a San Diego State team that's starting to play much better after an, too hard. after an awful out of conference. Awful. Considering the expectations that this program had coming into the season, they have home losses to Brown of the Ivy League, Brown. They have a home loss to the University of San Diego, West Coast Conference San Diego, and they are one of five teams, one of only five teams that lost to Cal this year. That wasn't Berkeley. That's a bad loss, though, because the Bears are atrocious this year. San Diego State has now won five of six going into Saturday's game at Boise. They're 15 and nine, seven and four in Mountain West play. It certainly feels like this is a team that's starting to put some things together and it could not be worse timing for Nevada. San Diego State has no hopes of an at-large bid, none. And now they're starting to piece it together, coming on a stretch run. Still got to play Nevada twice. The Mountain West tournament's coming up. It starts to feel like the it's starting to mesh for San Diego State. So you mentioned they, they got beat by, by New Mexico earlier this year. This is a team that's really starting to get it figured out. As they start to figure it out, you know, you got the win over Utah State and you got the other win the last win over Colorado State, I think is who it was. I still and everybody who's followed me and tailed me on betting, they couldn't cover at home against San Jose State. Or no, I might have been at San Jose State, whatever. That's what I go back to. If they can't do that, they're not a legitimate basketball team. So they may be on the up and up, and they may be rising and figuring it out, but they are still not legitimate in my eyes. They're they're an Adams doghouse. <laughs> they, I mean, they're one of the teams now that like it's one of those bad bad bets that I now hate that team forever and will never touch it. Uh, the reason I've had this game circled for a while is that this is just a program that's given Nevada nightmares since Nevada joined the Mountain West. Since joining the Mountain West, Nevada's record versus San Diego State, do you want to guess it? Mm, 12 they probably matchups. got one or two. 12 matchups. Um, It's going to be ugly. Uh, two and 10 or three and nine or something like that. Or wait, no, if they're 12 matchups at San Diego State, yeah, somewhere around there. 12 matchups total. They're two and 12. Oh, 12 okay. two, two and 10. I th- you, you nailed sorry, it. I th- sorry, I thought, sorry, I thought, okay. You were, you sounded smart and then you sounded really stupid. So you well, kind of way to screw that up. I'm I'm blaming it on the Brazilian Wi-Fi. It's different. <laughs> I thought I heard I thought I heard 12 home matchups. So no, two and ten though. That's what it, exactly what I intended. No. So I'm right. Throw that one to so we said something stupid for next week. So two and ten versus San Diego State since joining the Mountain West at Viejas Arena. Zero and five. It's been a bloodbath. Winning at we want them. winning at San Diego State in my mind, is the last real hurdle for Muss in the Mountain West. It's, he's the, it's the one thing he hasn't been able to do as a head coach in the Mountain West. Versus San Diego State collectively, he's Muss is 2-5 and five since joining Nevada, coming to Nevada. Both wins are at Lawler. We know what happened the last time these teams played in the Mountain West tournament. I was at that game. It was brutal. So this is a San Diego State team that's had Nevada's number since joining the Mountain West, particularly at Viejas Arena. Do you got another one? 
the only positive thing I'll say, and as everybody knows, I hate to agree with you, but the one th- one thing San Diego State that also doesn't help is that they're eleven and two at home this season. So add to the misery, add to all the statistics of what they've done. They're eleven and two at home. Yeah, the two losses are to Brown and USD. Go go figure that yeah. out. Yeah. And I need to, I haven't had a chance to address it yet, so you know I gotta get to my metrics here. RPI has San Diego State at 155, Ken Palm has them at 142, the net has them at 147. That means that this is a quadrant three game, and I don't know that you're gonna find a tougher quadrant three game, considering one, the struggles Nevada has had playing at San Diego State, and two, considering that this is the San Diego State team, as I mentioned, that's really starting to put the pieces together. It is close to moving up to quadrant two. They would need to move up 12 spots to 135 for it to be a quadrant two game. And that would certainly be the hope that maybe this can be a quadrant two win if Nevada can get it done next week. Uh, but e- either way, not excited about this matchup, to be honest. All right, favorite player on the other roster? Malaki Flynn. Mm. I picked this guy for one reason. He's from Washington. He actually transferred from Washington State. But I thought it was funny because he went to the same high school that uh, one of my friends down here went to. And I constantly give her crap for being a uh, – how do I word this? For her being better than everybody. Mm. She went, <laughs> Bellarmine Prep was the high school. Oh, yeah. And as soon as, as soon as I saw that – yeah, it was right in your backyard from college. I think they're in Tacoma or somewhere no, in that area. They're, they're, they're in the Seattle area. It's basically, yeah, yeah, some, to give people some perspective, it's basically the Bishop Gorman of Washington. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as I saw Bellarmine, I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. That's that's my guy. <laughs> I went with not a player, but a coach. I've done this a couple times this year. I'm going head coach Brian Dutcher solely because of his role in the Fab Five. He was the assistant coach for that squad, and he was in the 30 for 30. Uh, provided some pretty strong commentary in, in that one. So I'm going head coach Brian Dutcher. He's the victory in this one. Nevada's historically struggled there. Just start early. This is a team. They're figuring it out. Get a same similar start. You don't need to be up 34 to 9. That's just insult to injury. If they do it, I love it. Go for it. By all means, be up 34 to 0. Yeah. But just start consistently. Skunk them. I just, going back on what you said earlier, just don't be in one of those oh crap moments early because I don't want to see that. And especially in a location that we've struggled, start early. Who cares? Miss a couple threes, but get out, get on them quick. Yeah, we, it's been a while since we've dusted off the, the start fast one, and we're certainly bringing it back in a big way this week. I kind of mentioned it a little bit against Wyoming, but I think it's going to be particularly important in, in this one. This is a San Diego State team that averages over a program that averages over 10,600 fans per game. That's third in the Mountain West. We know the Viejas Arena is going to be absolutely bouncing. So Nevada has to do what it can to keep that crowd in check. This is one of the biggest tests left for Nevada. At at Utah State would be one. At home against Fresno State would be one as well. I would argue this is maybe one of this is maybe the biggest regular season game left, just considering how much this program has struggled at San Diego State. Not to keep pounding on that. I just think the mm-hmm. first ten minutes of this one is going to be important. Because you know San Diego State is really going to come out swinging. It's going to be a total tone setter. That first ten minutes is 
I'm not going to say it's sink or swim, but it's going to be a total defining – it's going to be a very defining 10 minutes. We'll put it that way. We, we saw this team. I don't know if they were overwhelmed, underprepared, didn't come in with the energy. We saw them get overwhelmed at New Mexico, and that could happen again if this team doesn't come, up, come in ready to go um, and, and handle that crowd. Did you have any other ones? Uh, I mean, nothing to substantial. I was just going to say that, I mean, Nevada in their last five games, 16 points has been the closest margin of victory. So I would like to see something similar. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win by 16, but I do um, anticipate or I do hope for the same type of offensive performance and on the defensive side as well. They've just been playing so clean that statistics and, you know, trends aside, I, I, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to say it ahead. So everybody's going to, you know, think of it how you want, but I don't see San Diego State pulling this one. That's also what I was going to speak to next is keep it going offensively. This is a San Diego State program that has really prided itself on, on the defensive half of the court. It wasn't the case earlier this year. I mentioned the home loss to Brown. They gave up 82 points at home to an Ivy League school. That's just not a good look. They gave up 89 points in the loss to Cal. They're starting to figure it out now, starting to put some pieces together. In conference play, they're giving up less than 68 points per game. That's third in the conference. They're holding teams to 42% from the field. That's also third in the conference. So a little strength for strength, a really good test for this offense that is, as we've spoke to, is just firing right now. Uh, the last one I got, I'll go to the other end of the court. Defensively, Nevada's going to have to find a way to slow down 6'10 sophomore forward Jalen McDaniels who's just been going nuts of late. He leads the team averaging over 17 points per game, shooting 50% from the field. 50% from the field. That'll work. In his last four, I mentioned he's been playing really well of late, shooting 54% from the field. He's starting to even get more comfortable from deep. Not a big three-point shooter, but he'll he'll take those shots. In his last four games, I believe him and Cody also has the same stat, 7 of 14 um, shooting from deep in that span. And you know at 6'10", he can grab some rebounds as well. Is 8.5 rebounds per game. I believe our sixth right before uh, Mr. J- right behind Mr. James for Wyoming as well. So impact player for Jalen McDaniels defensively. He's the guy that Nevada really wants to slow down. What do you got for prediction in this one? It's going to be closer than that 16-point mar- margin. But it, I am going with 81-77. 81-77. It's going to be a close game. One more time, I'm going to say it. Winning at San Diego State has been basically impossible for, for Nevada. 0-5 in, in the Mountain West. This group, this core, Caleb, Cody, Jordan, even even the, the transfers, guys who were eligible for the first time this year, they remember what happened last year. In the Mountain West tournament, they remember going to San Diego State in the regular season finale and losing in that game. This is a special team. It's a special year. I think they get over the hump. Next Wednesday, I think they win 79-74. I also got this game be- being pretty close. All right, we'll, uh, we'll kick it to slants now. Before we do, we need to take a quick break. Hey, Wolfpack Nation. I'd like to talk to you about strength in the pack. Winning does not happen on accident. It comes from great coaches, top recruiting, and a top 25 infrastructure. That's the reason Strength in the Pack was created, a community-based nonprofit with the sole purpose to help the Wolfpack build top 25 athletics through small donations starting at just $7.75 per month. So be part of the growing movement that has donated over $180,000 to Wolfpack Athletics. Join today at strengthinthepack.org. Go Pack! 
All right, uh, we said goodbye to football last week. We're saying hello to it this week. Uh, great to have football back. It's with an asterisk, certainly. I've been on it for a while now. I'm kind of curious about this Alliance of American Football thing. I, th- I think it was going to have a real shot. And after this first weekend, I'm even more confident. There's talent out there. There's some names out there. There's some explosiveness. There were some big, big hits in the first weekend. And when you're, when you're in position that the Alliance of American Football is, when you're making your debut, you're starting something new, you're trying to create a new league, you're trying to create fans, that's a huge, huge hurdle they're trying to overcome. You just hope that something happens that first weekend that's memorable. Something that people can talk about. Something that people can say, oh yeah, I remember that. And that happened. It was the hit on Berkovici in the San Antonio San, San Diego game where his helmet popped off and he popped right back up. That that game at the Alamo Dome, do you see how many people were at it? I didn't see it told I I never saw it flash to the crowd. I'm assuming a decent number. It was over thirty thousand people who were there. Thirty thousand people free? were the tickets free? Even if they're free, that's a, that's an impressive number. Um San Antonio, obviously a special fan base. It was a return to it was their first professional football game in San Diego or San Antonio since like ninety two, I think they said. And do you see what the the rating stat? I saw they beat the NBA out, like the primetime NBA game and some other event. They went head to head with the NBA on ABC and drew bigger ratings. Mm-hmm. You think this country loves football? <laughs> so I mean, what, what did you make of, of the first weekend? I got two points. Yeah, one, my hot shots I knew, smoked I knew, your stallions. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Smoked them. Wasn't even close. Not even close. It was fantastic. I I just wish I could pick bets that were easy, as easy of winners as these hot shots are. Did you they have, are hot. Do you have the they are red hot? Do you have the app? Which app? The Alliance app. I had it for a little bit when I was trying to figure out how to stream the game, and then I ended up texting Dad, and I got his login, and I oh. watched it a different way. Oh, there you go. The app's but, awesome. The, the app is awesome, though. You can, like you can guess the plays, and they have the shop on there. They have some cool stuff. I'm about to buy some Salt Lake sh- some Salt Lake shirts. Actually, that is a lie. I did mess around on the app a little bit. I was watching the GameCast, and I there I remember hearing about it, but I you know just didn't put two and two together. And they got the little GPSs or whatever on yeah. the players, yeah. And so you can see what you could see where they're moving. You can see like if someone's getting subbed out, watching them run off the field. So that was pretty entertaining. The other thing I was gonna say though is, I've heard your point of view and people saying I love it, I love it, and I've also heard some people saying, wait, hold up, the football isn't that good. You know, and would I skip what I'm doing regularly on a Saturday to sit and watch the AAF? Now, I think for everybody, it's going to differ a little bit. But what honestly, what it came down to me is because I don't watch a ton of TV. Just if it's not, you know, I don't consistently watch a lot of TV unless it's the NFL or March Madness, whatever, any of those yeah. special occasions. But what I it came down to me was, would I watch this over watching that random Modern Family episode that it's always on TV? Yeah, 10 out of 10. When I when I'm watching it in a hundred percent, and in, in my eyes, that's I'm a simple guy. That's what it takes to be entertaining. I'm not fully set on this league, but this league I think is going to do wonders, and it only it only helps too that like you had it broadcasted on the NFL Network. Yeah. So obviously the NFL's buying into it too, or at least give them a nudge in the right direction. Only only uh, validates the league ever so more. So I think they got a good thing going. 
My only concern, well, there's obviously several concerns, but one of my bigger concerns from a ratings perspective is that they're rolling this thing out this season right when college basketball season is really starting to ramp up now. I mean, games are really starting to get important. You have the conference tournaments coming up, March Madness, obviously. So they're going to be going head-to-head with the biggest college basketball games, the biggest maybe sporting event of the year they're going to be going head-to-head with for a few weekends in March and April. So that would be a concern, but... I remain really excited. They have some really smart minds behind it. The fact that they're not trying to be different than the NFL. They're trying to be like, look, we want to be a minor league system for the NFL. It's going to help the NFL. We'll get to develop some quarterbacks and some coaches and everyone. I mean, it's it's a developmental league in terms of, you know, guys want to get up to the next level. I think the way they have their contract structure is incredibly smart. They're going to celebrate fan engagement incredibly smart. The, the replay thing where they show you what the conversation in real time that the replay officials happening with the rep down the field for complete yeah, that's, transparency. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. And it, this, it's going to make the NFL have to change what they're doing. Cause it's gonna, everyone's going to say, mm-hmm. that is awesome. We want that. Why aren't you doing that? And the only reason the NFL wouldn't do that is we don't want you to know what actually happens. And that's a terrible look. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see the NFL maybe adopt that in a year or two. You watch you watch Goodell just pull one on his neck for a little like Ugh. starting to get a little starting to get a little hot a little hot in here Goodell a little hot in here. All right, uh, let's go road tripping. Chad took us to Laramie and San Diego State. You could not have a bigger contrast in road destinations. Uh, so folks, going uh, taking the weekend trip to Laramie, it'll be a nice break getting to leave Laramie and go down to San Diego next week. So here's uh here's that conversation with Chad. Okay, Chad, uh, we're doing this. It's fun doing the road trip and slant while you are literally road tripping stuck in Southern California traffic. Um, so let, let's start in, in Laramie. I know there's a ton of options of things to do in Laramie in mid-February. So for those who are making the trip, uh, what do they need to know? Uh, Nathan, I, I think you and I have a differing definition of ton, uh, <laughs> but we can, uh, uh, we'll go straight into it. Uh, Laramie, Wyoming, a uh, very picturesque town. Um, I've enjoyed all of my time that I, that I've spent there. I think Wyoming as a whole, the state is quite beautiful. Um, but, but Laramie's, uh, is not a big place. Uh, I, I think the population, there's only like 30,000. It's gotta be one of the smaller, um, smaller college towns, you know, amongst FBS schools. Sure. Um, but, uh, two recommendations for you there. Number one, food. Uh, Altitude Chop House. It's far and away the best restaurant in town. Uh, great steakhouse, uh, good brewery attached with it. Uh, but that's where you're going to go for dinner. Um, if you're looking for something a little more casual or, or, or a post-game drink, uh, the library is the, uh, the sports bar and grill there in town. And uh, you can't go wrong there either. Unfortunately, we can't stay in Laramie forever. Then uh, nice little turnaround for the, for the squad and the fans. Off to San Diego on Wednesday might be a little bit warmer, probably a couple more options. So for those who are going down to San Diego, uh, what do you got? Yeah. From, from paradise to paradise, um, <laughs> uh, plenty, plenty of options in San Diego. We'll start with breakfast. Uh, I'm a big fan of snooze, uh, which is a, a great breakfast joint. I think it's in the Hillcrest area there in uh, San Diego. Um, and then also if you're, if you're down on the beach, um, it's called Kona surf club. Uh, which is a great and, and inexpensive, uh, breakfast, um, uh, joint. I believe it's down there on Pacific Beach. Uh, good, is good, good place down there. 
uh, lunch. Kona, Kona is, is good for lunch as well. And if you're in Ocean Beach, uh, one of the best burgers I've ever had is at a place called Hodad's Whoa. in in Ocean Beach. And, and I highly recommend getting down there. It, it's just a fantastic burger, and, and it's right there on the beach in Ocean oh, in OB. Oh, that's awesome. All right. And uh, then... uh, dinner, dinner he- your best bet is to head downtown to the gas, gas lamp area. Uh, that's kind of the, you know, the, 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 the happening place in downtown San Diego. Uh, my favorite joint down there is a gastro pub called Neighborhood that's just right off of the gas lamp. Um, it's, it's kind of, uh, trendy bar food is probably a good way okay. to describe it. Uh, thoughtful bar food. They, they put, they put a little work into it. Uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a nice place and a, uh, and a good tap list as well. And for, uh, for my, for my craft beer friends in San Diego, I got, I got two, there, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of places to go, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but the two places I would recommend are both out, uh, by Miramar. Uh, number one is Alesmith, which is a, a known place, a known brewery. It's been there for a long time, but it's worth a trip out there because they have a museum dedicated to Tony Gwynn, uh, inside the brewery. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's super cool. Um, and, and, and for baseball fans and, and, uh, it's definitely worth a trip out there just to go to the Tony Gwynn Museum. Uh, and then while you're out there, there's a brewery called, um, Pure Project that is, uh, popped up in the last couple of years and and they're doing terrific stuff out there um and and they have a they have a hazy pale ale called merklin's that is quite popular yeah a a couple more options in san diego than than laramie which is surprising um (laughs) yeah i mean surprising to some i mean i don't know we'll see but uh i mean in san diego there's there's just no short of uh, shortage of options It's, it's a great place to visit and and uh and uh, just a lot to do and, and see and eat and drink there. For sure. So how much longer are you stuck in traffic, you think? Uh, probably about another 58 minutes. Uh, that was what it took last night uh, for my for my voyage to go 12 miles. And it's oh, looking God. like we're, uh, we're, we're doing the same thing tonight. I, 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 this is not my bag, man. <laughs> yeah, people in, in Reno complain when the spaghetti, go, spaghetti bowl gets backed up. It's it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing like this down there. And, and we're fortunate in Reno to, to have the commutes that we do have. So. For sure. All right. We're, we're off next week. And then in two weeks, uh, another double dip. We're going to Logan and we're going to Colorado Springs. So another couple of warm destinations uh, for fan bases. So we'll talk to you then, Chad. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it, man. Games of the weekend. What are, what are a few you have circled this weekend? There wasn't much. It was too intriguing to me. You got UNLV at San Jose. Wow. You got UNLV at San Jose State on Saturday. The only reason I picked this game is because I love watching UNLV lose more than I love watching San Jose State win. So I am going with the upset. I don't care what the spread <laughs> is. San Jose State's winning that game. Then the other one. On the total flip reversal, big game. I believe this one was on Saturday when I was looking. But you got Tennessee at Kentucky. Yeah. As they stand, it's number one versus number five. So, unfortunately, I'm just going to have to follow that one on the ESPN app because I will. it will most likely be 2, 3 a.m. in the morning when that one's tipping or whatever. I yeah. actually don't know when it is, but I'm assuming it's going to be late at night. But that's going to be a great game. So, if anybody's watching, looking for games, that, in my mind, is going to be the, the best one I saw. Yeah. I'm pretty surprised you didn't pick a football game. There's football games going on now. You know, sometimes when you travel for 20 hours, your brain gets a little fried and you forget what sport's going on. The AAF decided to mess with me and start a, <laughs> start a brand new, you know, league. So yeah, I, I was a little behind the boat on the football team. 
So my two foot, my two basketball games, rather, Fresno State at New Mexico, Saturday at 4 p.m. on ESPN3. Fresno State entered Wednesday tied for second in the Mountain West with Utah State, so that's a big one uh, for Mountain West seating implications. Certainly never easy to win at the pit. Boise at San Diego State, tip also at 4 p.m. on Saturday on CBS Sports. I mentioned San Diego State really starting to play play better. They're going to be at home. We'll have the opportunity to watch that game ahead of the Nevada at San Diego State game. And Nevada tips at 7 on Saturday, so it'll be a good chance to we can watch San Diego State and then watch Nevada uh, block out a nice little Saturday evening watching sports. We can start Saturday morning with some football. God, I love saying that. Nice to have Saturday morning football back. You know I'm going with my squad. Salt Lake, looking for first win in, in franchise history at Birmingham. Birmingham won last week, 1-0. Uh, it's kick. They don't do kick. How do you say that? The game just starts at 11 a.m. First, first, first snap at 11. First, oh, there we go. First snap at 11 on TNT. Big time network. The way they set the roster is kind of interesting. They get players based on where they're from regionally. And I think Birmingham is going to be a power just because they're in the South and there's going to be Alabama's. Everyone from Alabama is going to play for Birmingham. <laughs> um, but a concern is really early. Players still figuring out. There was there was some pretty shaky quarterback play that first weekend, mm-hmm. especially oh, true, especially true for Salt Lake. I mean, their two guys, Woodrum and Linehan, were seventeen to thirty five for one hundred fifty nine yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Birmingham has Trent Richardson. It was so funny because he got ran out of the league because he his yards per carry was like historically awful. Mm-hmm. Last week, it was twenty three carries for like fifty something yards, two point five yards per carry, picking up right where he left off. Do you see that picture of him? It was like the offensive line had a gap the size of the Red Sea, and he was running at the offensive lineman's <laughs> butt, and it said something like, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't get it to drink or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that would define uh, Trent Richardson's uh, football career this far. I mean, you'd, you'd hope he could figure it out. It's pretty cool that he's willing to you know, take a shot, see if he, he, can, he can make it happen. But his vision was always what? something people would knock him for. I, I can't remember which team it was, but did you see one of the teams signed Jamarcus Ru- Jamarcus Russell? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> that was that one of the. Be four, that I had to be four hundred pounds by now. It makes sense what they're doing. Someone's got to step in. Like yeah, we're yeah. not trying to be a joke, though. Like I saw, I'm yeah, like well, that's kind of a joke. Well, I totally understand. I mean, they're trying to get some names that people recognize and everything. But going back to what you also said is that that was the one position that was very obvious. That it that that uh the level of play was behind. Yeah, I thought across the board was Arizona's the QB looked pretty good. Yeah, you know, don't 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 tune him up too high right now. I want to make sure he's still focused. <laughs> don't let it get to his head. All right, let's jump to social. As I mentioned, we got a ton of questions from you guys this week. It was awesome. We love getting questions from you guys. So let's start with Twitter. Uh, Tony asks, "Hey guys, a few weeks ago I asked about." favorite reno movies now what are your favorite songs that mention reno mine are all the way to reno by rem and Folsom prison blues by johnny cash what do you got i'm completely blanking on the song right now but it is by atmosphere oh my god i'm gonna atmosphere come back has the a song week. that mentions reno? atmosphere has a song atmosphere has a song that's like solely about reno he mentions Hey, uh, what's it called? Uh, whatever the Lake Street, I think. He mentions January on Lake Street. That's one of the streets in Reno. He also mentions Fourth Street. 
Um, I, it has a ton. He mentions Reno itself, but oh my god, this is gonna drive me crazy. But there is an Atmosphere song in his not his most recent album, but the second newest one, and it's pretty much entirely about Reno. I'll find out exactly what it is, but I'll post it on one of the social medias, and so whoever wants to listen to it can. But that's a great song. Huh? I didn't. I did not know that. I went with full recency bias here. A Star Is Born. Have you seen that movie? You know me. No, you haven't. I I don't recommend watching it if you don't plan on your face absolutely exploding. It's like the saddest movie of all time. But there's a song in there that Brad, that, Brad, that Bradley Cooper sings. Uh, Maybe it's time. Like the album, I've listened to the album on Spotify. They have some awesome songs. Him and Lady Gaga. Uh, but he has a song. Okay, let's make let's make sure to let's make sure to cut that out. What? You don't like Lady Gaga? <laughs> Dude, uh, if, if you don't like Lady Gaga, a, we're gonna have a, problems. Not, She's unbelievable. I'm not a, big, not a big fan of her. Not a big fan. You gotta watch watch her documentary on Netflix. Okay, so you watch that. Get some. I gotta watch her, I gotta I gotta watch her life story. I gotta figure out everything that went wrong. No, it shows everything like how much of a badass she is. Dude, Lady Gaga's awesome. I all right. I'll, moving I'll, I'll moving on. Moving on. And that album's awesome. So I'm I'm going with that song. Miles asks. Do you guys ever plan on covering other Nevada sports, such as volleyball, softball, swimming, etc.? It's a good question, Miles. It's not a priority right now. If we've said it several times, this show is for our listeners. It's for the audience. So if you guys want us to talk about those things, it's something that we can consider and find a way to work it in. It's not something that we've had strong people have not said anything about it. We haven't gotten any interest in it. So that's not just not a priority right now. Uh, that could change. I will say that softball will probably be addressed in the spring in part because the Nevada softball program is basically Reed West. <laughs> I covered Reed a lot in my time at the Sparks Tribune and they have Julie Jensen, Kenzie Gowen, Jessica Sellers, Rihanna Smith, all of them went to Reed. So I, I do keep tabs uh, on the program and I'm sure it will provide updates uh, for softball throughout the spring. Uh, Blake asked a few questions. This is a great one. Does Adam work? Seems like all he does is travel. It's a valid question, to be honest. Uh, to answer your question, Blake, yes, I do work. I work full time. However, being unmarried and not having children makes traveling a lot easier. Well, you get like a month of vacation time a year, right? Hey, that's the one perk of being an accountant is you get about roughly a month of time off. That's ridiculous. Oh, it's nice. You should be able to transfer that, share some of that with, with your brother. Hey, you picked your poison, brother. <laughs> I told you, accountant's the way to go. Nothing more, nothing, nothing more satisfying and full of glory. This is, this is way, that's way more shameful than me sharing that I love Lady Gaga. I'm not doing your taxes anymore. <laughs> you aren't even doing my, you should start doing my taxes. We gotta get that lined up. Uh, Blake also asks, what are your thoughts on the two-third season rankings for the selection committee? So I assume we're talking about the bracket preview show. Kind of spoke to that already. I don't have strong feelings about it. So much is going to change from now. I really don't think it matters for this Nevada team. The higher the seed, the better. I just think it's a bigger deal where they get placed. And as I mentioned, if this team keeps winning, they're going to be in the West. I mean, you're not going to keep a one or two loss team. You're not going to ship them across the country. That would be unjust, to, to say the least. Blake, also, he finishes up his trifecta here. On average, how many listens does the podcast get a week? Also, an idea once any idea once talking strength in the pack and having the ad on the show of how many people have signed up. So, a good question. I'm surprised we haven't gotten this question already. 
the correct term if you want to talk podcast speak is downloads. How many downloads did you get a week? When we launched, we were, eh, it was around 150 a week and we're now a little bit, we're averaging a little bit north of 250 a week. So some people maybe thought bigger. Some people maybe thought smaller. Building an audience from scratch is, is not easy. Um, it certainly feels like we're on the right path. So I'm certainly proud of that number and grateful. For every single one of you who, who listened to the show and have shared it, you know, we wouldn't be where we are now without you guys. Um, so yeah, a little north of 250, that number is certainly, uh, trending upwards though. So we're, uh, pretty excited about that. And then how many, uh, people have signed up for strength in the pack since we started running the ad? That would be a question for Brad, who we had on one of the earlier episodes. I know at least two, uh, two people sent us screenshots that, hey, signed up. Um, if, even those two, it's awesome. You know, getting to help someone help someone. And feels like we kind of created that opportunity and hopefully there was some sort of push. And uh, certainly if you are thinking about signing up for Strength in the Pack, I would listen to the episode with Brad. He speaks to the purpose of Strength in the Pack and what they are doing. It really is incredible. And it, it feels like with the plan and mission they have that they're going to get to where they want to get, which is start donating upwards of a million dollars a year at one point to the program. And Think about the opportunity that would create for Nevada Athletics with that kind of backing. The episode, by the way, is episode 019, so you guys should check that one out. Uh, Fake Matt Mummy asks, in honor of President's Day weekend, who is the best and who is the worst movie-slash-TV president of all time? My picks would be President Landord from the shitty Independence Day sequel for the worst and President Dwayne Elizondo, Mountain Dew, Herbert Camacho. From Idiocracy. That was the best. You got a couple for this one? So I never saw either of those, just for reference. Uh, <laughs> my best. Craig Robinson. Daryl Philbin from The Office. Yeah. That is my best. Uh, my worst. Michael Scarn. With Agent Michael Scarn. He was the bad guy, and he ended up calling him again. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a funny episode. <laughs> but for my worst, I wasn't really sure. I was trying to think of some of the movie, some of the one of the 10 movies I've seen and hoping that there was a president in there. I ended up choosing James Cromwell. He played the older Bush in Oliver Stone biopic W. And the reason why I picked that it was terrible was because of what the same thing the reviews said. He didn't look anything like Bush. I was like, you for sure just Googled bad presidents in movies and saw what came I up. Go- <laughs> I, go- I Googled movies where the president's been portrayed or something like that. Okay. <laughs> so I had to get the name. I had to Google the name. I knew who I wanted to go with. Thomas Whitmore, Independence Day. I've mentioned it once before. He One of the o- most awesome pump-up speeches where they're about to go fight the aliens. So this is the day we declare our independence. And that, like, if you haven't seen that movie or that speech, you need to do it. That makes you want to run through a wall. So I went Thomas Whitmore. In Independence Day. Ryan at Law of the Jungle NV. Make sure you check out lawofthejunglenv.com. Check out the Reno Slant page. Everything you know about the podcast. Uh, predict Nevada's path through the Mount West Conference Tournament. Do they have the depth to win three games in a row? I'll address the second question first. Absolutely. There's no question that this, I mean, even if Caleb, Cody, Jordan have to play 40 minutes a night, three nights in a row, it certainly feels like they'd be able to do that. It wouldn't be ideal. The hope would be they can run someone out of the gym in the first game and not play as many minutes and be a little bit more fresh for the semifinals and championship game if they're to get there. I'm, I'm not concerned about the depth at all. I mean, this is status quo for us at, at this point. You know, 
work, work on a shallow bench, and he has more depth, more depth, more options than he's ever had at Nevada. Predicting the path to the Mountain West Conference tournament is tough. I started clicking around, doing some math, who plays who, and like I'm not going that deep into it. Uh, just from a high level, just kind of looking around. I'll say they play Colorado State in the first game, so Colorado State will come out of the eight nine game. In the semifinals, they'll play the winner of the four five game. I'm going to say that's Fresno. And then I'm going to say San Diego State finds a way to get into the three spot ahead of Fresno. And San Diego State wins basically, essentially would be the 2-3 game in theory. And Nevada plays San Diego State in a championship game. So I'll go Colorado State, Fresno, San Diego State in the conference tournament. Uh, I don't know the actual name. I'm going to his Twitter handle. The name is Bra. Like, what's up, Bra? What type of whip Bruh. do you, what type of record, what type of whip do you record that shot in? So we're talking about Tuesday in a parking lot. Any questions from you guys? You guys ready for this? A four cylinder 2007 Ford Fusion with the paint fading off the hood. Is that a Hemi brother? <laughs> Is that Hemi? Dang. Things a beast. I love, I love my Ford Fusion. Uh, Evan asks, will UNR Ever win the final four? Hashtag go Rebs. So many things to address with this. First of all, UNR, it's been established, is the name for the academic branch of Nevada. Nevada Athletics is Nevada. Go ahead and ask the AP, Associated Press. So I would venture to say the academic school at the University of Nevada in Reno is not going to win the final four. Uh, if we are going to talk basketball, so we're gonna, I'm going to meet you more than halfway. If we're talking basketball, then I'm still going to say probably not because you don't win the Final Four. You can make the Final Four, or you can win the national championship. You can win the NCAA tournament, and in that case, Nevada can do it. This year probably is the best shot, if we're being all jokes aside. This is probably the best shot Nevada may ever have at winning it. They got, a, they got as good a shot as anyone. Why not, considering the, the talent and experience this team has? We'll kick it over to Instagram now. Stewart asks, what's the real reason behind the Nevada football transfer? So Stewart asked this last week. He asked it a little bit too late after the buzzer, like one of Adam's bets that he lost last week. So um, we'll address it this week. Obviously, I have Nephi Sewell transferred from BYU or transferred from Nevada to BYU. Now apparently he's at Utah. Uh, Chris broke that. McLean Mannix, stud wide receiver, transferred to Texas Tech. Gabe Sewell, Nephi's senior brother, who will transfer as a grad transfer, so it doesn't have to sit out. He answered, he entered the transfer portal with one year left. For some perspective here, I was clicking around, I couldn't find the exact number, but it's something like 1,700 total players are in the transfer portal. This is not a Nevada exclusive issue. Now people will say schools don't have three of their studs transferring. I think it's clear there is some unique a unique situation here. The McLean Mannix thing with his mom and, and the fires and her her gnarly burn in the past and some mental hurdles still with that. That sounds legit to me. And he did move closer to home. It's not like I said I'm going to go closer to home and then transfer to Alabama. Um, cough, cough. And then with the Sewells, they're brothers. So, yes, they're, they're individuals, but brothers tend to do things. They can do things together, like start a podcast. And so when one brother leaves, I can see the the feelings to say, hey, maybe I want to go leave too. Maybe I want to get closer to home. And Nephi said he wanted to be closer to home. He transferred to BYU and, and then Utah, apparently. And uh, 
without going too far into it, there has been some Twitter behavior that I will call interesting from a Sewell family member. So, I mean, there's just, there's just a lot going on there. I don't think it's anything crazy. I don't think there's a, some uprising about to happen. It's just kind of one of those unique scenarios. And players are transferring at a historic rate now. It, it's, it's part of college sports now. Stewart also asks, does Louisville's atrocious loss Tuesday night, Louisville was up 23 with about nine minutes left on Duke, found a way to lose that one. Does that loss uh, position Nevada for a West Coast bracket, so a spot in the West Coast bracket? And what are the chances Nevada lands Kyrie Walker? So a couple thoughts. Does the loss better position Nevada for a spot in the West Coast bracket? Louisville was a four-seed in the West, in the bracket preview show, there was 16th seed overall, or ranked 16th overall. Nevada was 14th. I'm not sure that outcome has a big effect on Nevada. I wouldn't be surprised if the committee looks at that and says, hey, it's a positive for Louisville. That's just how it is for big programs. They're up big on Duke. They must be legit, even though they completely fumbled that thing. If Nevada finishes, as I mentioned, if Nevada finishes with one or two losses, I'm confident they're going to be in the West. I don't think it matters what anyone else does. That's a program that has do, deserved to be close to home, deserves to play in front of the home crowds, and I, I just don't know that Louisville game, especially considering how much basketball is left to play, has a huge, huge impact on, on where Nevada goes. Keep in mind that Louisville was seated behind Nevada as well. As far as the Kyrie Walker thing, we talked about Kyrie Dorino a, a couple months ago, back on episode 018. At that time, Kyrie... Uh, five-star guard from Phoenix. It looks like he was, he's gonna be in the 2019 class after all. That's what it sounds like, at least. Back when we talked about him the first time, he was, he had it down to three apparently between Kentucky, Memphis, and Nevada. It sounds like that's changing a little bit. I mean, he was originally committed to Arizona State. He decommitted from Arizona State. He took an official visit to UNLV last week. There's rumors of a North Carolina visit now starting to swirl. A little bit. Nevada's one of the first to offer him. He's a West Coast kid. The UNLV visit, to me, if you want to really look into it, says maybe he's more interested in staying close to home. Um, and Reno would certainly be close to home. He has, I think he's originally from like the Bay Area. So that would, that would certainly be close. And let's keep in mind that redshirt freshman KJ Himes played with Kyrie in high school. And that helps. And it certainly sounds like KJ has been doing some recruiting as well. So I, I still think Nevada's in a good spot. I don't know if I want to put chances on it. I, I would say it's certainly a possibility. Um, I don't want to go one way or another. Recruiting is just, it's impossible to guess what's going to happen. Matt asks, with the top 16 seeds released Sunday and six teams ahead of Nevada falling this last week, does that help or hurt Nevada in the chances of getting a higher seed? Will this help Nevada get out of the South and into the West? So teams losing ahead of Nevada is a bit of a double-edged sword. It certainly helps because, you know, teams ahead of you lose, you keep winning, you think you move up. However, if teams ahead of them are losing, that means teams behind Nevada are picking up quality wins. It depends on how far down in the rankings they are, but it certainly opens the door to teams behind Nevada picking up quality wins, which will be better than, say, winning a quadrant three game at San Diego State. And I'll say it again. If Nevada keeps winning... Goes in the tournament with one or two, one or two losses. I fully expect Nevada to be in the West. You, you just can't do that to a team that's ranked top in the top ten all season. They have one or two losses. Considering you're not supposed to consider last year, but teams get credit for who they are all the time. Uh, I would expect Nevada to be in the West. 
Jesse, on average, how many weird looks do you get while sitting in said parking lot talking to your phone uh, doing my videos? On average, 27. <laughs> no, whenever I do it, I, I make sure there's no one walking around because I don't look, look like an idiot. Uh, I do get some weird looks on occasion because you're just recording someone walks by. But it's so commonplace now for people to talk to their phones. And people might think that I'm on FaceTime. Who knows? So I got that going for me. Adam hasn't said anything in about 10 minutes, so we're, we'll bring you back in here. Bradley asks, put your recruiting hats on. Your recruiting hat on? It's on. Okay, good. Uh, you have a recruit coming to visit who knows very little about Nevada. What are your selling points on the basketball and football programs and maybe Nevada in general that's going to get this kid to sign with the Wolfpack? Where are you going? Well, you want to talk – well, if you, I mean, if you want to talk about it, one, you could talk about – the basketball team being a powerhouse right now. I mean, ranked top 10 in the nation all year. So there's your selling point in the basketball team. You don't really need much more than that. You got a legendary coach right now. Mm -hmm. Football team is trending in the right direction. Obviously what they're doing is improving. That, and like we've, like, uh, Chad had said, I think he mentioned on an earlier interview is that, you know, football is kind of the lifeblood. And yep. if football is doing well, then everything kind of feeds off it. So you talk about football is getting, you know, football is definitely and been improving at a great rate. And if you want to talk about Reno in general, I mean, the whole area of Northern Nevada is great because it really has something for everybody. There is the downtown nightlife stuff for all those people who like to stay on the wee hours. I know you and I aren't, aren't associated with that crowd. <laughs> you have Lake Tahoe. It's got great things for the summer. It's got, you know, skiing, snowboarding in the winter. There's also hunting. There's huge summer events. Um, it's the better school in the state. So, I mean, it's just something really favorite. And the other part, too, is that something that isn't really get talked about a whole lot because it's so small. But that airport is money. Yeah, for I sure. Love, I love that Reno airport. And if you're going to convince a kid, hey, you got to come. You know, it takes five minutes to get through security. You don't. Nobody needs TSA pre-check because everybody's TSA pre-check at the Reno airport. <laughs> or you're going to go stand in lines at LAX. I know I'm choosing the smaller airport. Yeah, if you're recruiting a big-time kid, you figure they're probably not local. So they're probably going to jump on a plane. So it's easier for them and family to get to and from Reno. I think this is – these next few weeks, I think, are going to be big recruiting opportunities for Nevada, considering how packed Lawler's going to be. I mean, if if you are recruiting right now, if you're a coach, and it's pretty much recruiting season always – you are you want to get kids on campus these next few weeks and get them to attend some of these games, whether it's UNLV, whether it's Fresno, whether it's San Diego State. Those are some big games. It's gonna be sellout crowds. It's gonna be going crazy. You can like this is how rabid the fan base can be. This is how fun it can be here. So that is a huge selling point. Obviously, I would show every video of Musk ripping his shirt off and just showing like this is the type of person this community has embraced. You can be you here. You can have fun here, and we are going to embrace you. You're not going to be under this intense, wild scrutiny that you would be to other programs. That's a selling point. And the last point was the one that I'd speak to as well as Tahoe. It's literally the one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's not hyperbole. It's unbelievable there. You can go up there in the winter. You can go up there in the summer. You can go snowboarding. You can go to the beach. You can go gambling. You can go to a restaurant on the water. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, huge, huge selling points for Reno. It's been cool to see the city rebrand and kind of focus on that and sort of get away from... We're a gambling town because the reality is if you want to gamble and you're a tourist, you're going to come to Vegas. But if you want to gamble and do other things, make gambling 
part of the trip, not the focal part of the trip, then you come to Reno. Because you can still gamble, but you can do a ton more, and it's not 500 million degrees in the summer. <laughs> uh, Marcus, last one here. What are your top two 30 for 30s and your bottom two 30 for 30s? You want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So if you have two bottom 30 for 30s, then you're not a fan of 30 for 30s. They're all awesome. I mean, I tried to put some thought into it. I'm like, eh. I mean, there's some you don't like as much as others, certainly. But I think 30 for 30s are great in general. Some ones that I really enjoyed. I've said this on the show before. Four days in October. So the Red Sox come back to the Yankees in the 04 ALCS was awesome. I really enjoyed this magic moment with, with Shaq and Penny and, and getting that much airtime with Shaq, who's like one of my favorite people on this planet. Uh, Fantastic Lies is in there. The Duke lacrosse one and kind of just shows the corruption that can happen in, in the court system, the legal system, just the system in general and how the media works. It really was terrifying. Like I watched that and I was like, man, that is horrifying mm-hmm. how this whole thing can work sometimes. And the Fab Five. Shout out to Fab Five, second time on the show. And those were some that I really enjoyed. You're missing I, I was curious to see how many on my list that you were going to hit. You only hit – I only had Fantastic Lies on that. Okay. I got – the U was one of the first ones I watched. I thought the U was insane because I love watching that stuff too that kind of happened before I was around. And you kind of just see – you know, the culture, kind of the environment, and specifically in Miami. Oh, my gosh. That could have, must have been an absolute <laughs> animal house down there. The Pony Excess, the SMU one, yeah. is – that's that's one, two. That's got to be up. I mean, that's – Pony Excess is amazing. Yeah. Uh, 85 Bears, them winning their only Super Bowl, the whole Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon, I just McMahon like, hung over on the pylons during practice. <laughs> yeah, hung over at pylons, telling the – Telling the owner, why'd you draft me, old man? And like, I never really knew much about Jim McMahon, but now he's one of my favorite guys. And the last one, other than the Fantastic Lies, was Hit It Hard, the John Daly one. Oh, yeah. Jim McMahon plays at the Celebrity Golf Tournament every year up at Edgewood, and he golfs without shoes on, Mm -hmm. which is something you would expect of someone like Jim McMahon. All right, uh, Random Reno, what do you got? Reno is home to not one. But two roller derby teams, the Battleborn Derby Demons and the Reno Roller Girls. Oh, the Battleborn, the Battleborn Derby Demons compete on flat tracks locally and nationally, and they are the only derby team locally to compete in a national derby league. So one of our two, 50%, competes in a national derby league. So hell yeah, that's off to Reno. Hell yes. (laughs) Let's get them on the show. We'll, we'll sponsor you. Uh, my random Reno this week. Did you know that Reno is one of 3,400 communities in the country that is a tree city? Tree city. To be a tree city, you have to meet four standards. Some real knowledge on the podcast this week. You have to, one, maintain a tree board, whatever that is. You have to, you have to have a community tree Ordinance, so you gotta have some laws about trees. You have to annually spend two dollars per capita on urban forestry, so two dollars per citizen. So that means Reno is spending over five hundred thousand dollars a year on urban forestry, and you have to celebrate Arbor Day. And Nevada is one of thirty four hundred countries or thirty four hundred communities in the country that meets all four of that criteria. So everyone else can suck it. 
Guess how many tree species are in Reno City Parks? Oh my god, I have no clue. Uh, four thousand. You're an idiot. Not four thousand. I don't know if there's even four thousand types of trees in the world. Oh, another Brazil connection. I thought you said how many total trees. You're done, like, dude. Not how many different types. Turn your turn your yeah. mic off. Just just turn it off. Brazil Brazil Wi-Fi. I'm coming <laughs> back strong next week once I get that USA Wi-Fi back. <laughs> there are 159 tree species in Reno City Parks, which is pretty wild. That's that's a ton of trees. Mmm. And that is our show this week. Thank you to every single one of you who have listened, continue to listen, who have told a friend. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to all of you who asked questions this week for social. A ton this week, and it was an absolute blast. We might have to think about maybe capping them in the future, um, but we don't want to talk about that yet. Thank you to Thomas, and 801 Pack fan, for the iTunes reviews. Thank you to Nevada baseball coach TJ Bruce for coming on the show. Thank you to Chad Hartley. I feel like I'm accepting an Emmy Award right now for taking us road tripping. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at ShopNathan, at ShopAdam. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at the Reno Slant. Tip on Saturday at Wyoming, 7 o'clock on ESPNU. Tip next Wednesday, huge, huge game at San Diego State, 8 o'clock, our favorite tip time on CBS Sports. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.